Ladies and gentlemen, citizens of the universe, fantasy footballers, Dynasty League dirtballs, NFL draft fans, and DFS degenerates worldwide, this is the Roster Watch Podcast, presented by RosterWatch.com. Roster Watch Nation, prepare for pop, flash, and sizzle. Prepare for knowledge bombs and cockamamie business. The Roster Watch crew is here to deliver the goods you can't find anywhere else. Here is your host, RosterWatch.com Editor-in-Chief, Alex Dunlap. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap here, of course, with Byron Lambert. If you enjoy the podcast, we always ask you, please go give it a five-star rating and a review in iTunes and Stitcher or wherever it is that you listen. This is going to be a fun pod today. We'll be talking some free agency look-ahead stuff in the National Football League um, talking maybe a little bit about the best ball cheat sheets that we are um, de- beginning to develop for our pro subscribers at rosterwatch.com. Some new ADPs, some early ADPs that I pulled from the draft app, uh, which are a lot different than the eight early ADPs from the mock drafts over at Fantasy Football Calculator. And also going over some Super Bowl props because we are degenerates and there's some props that I'm very interested in for the Super Bowl. But um, we're going to have some other talk in this besides just Super Bowl talk. So if you manage to listen, you know, after the Super Bowl or early next week before the next pod comes out, uh, we'll have some content there that will still be fresh for you. So before we get started, Byron, Saturday before Super Bowl Sunday, we'll talk about props here after a while. But are you still leaning towards the toward just as far as the the overall as far as the overall, your overall bet for the game, is it still on those Patriots minus four and a half? Doesn't matter anymore, man. I took the plunge long ago. Which which was? Well, and has it moved to four and a half? I'm gonna have to circle back around and double this thing down, man. I Did got you get him at five and a half? I had him. At, I it was at five and a half on my bookie, but I bought him down from minus one twenty to minus five, just so I don't get swindled on some kind of. I just don't, I don't want to be at that half point. I want to make sure and push if something weird's going to happen there. For, dude, so. for, dude, for a minute it got to, for a minute it got down to minus three and a half. It found Fuck, resistance man, there. I stopped checking like two or three. Like it, it seemed to never go below five on my deal several days ago. So I kind of stopped checking. I didn't know it went to three and a half, man. But I kind of hate revealing this to the listeners because I don't. I'm sure we have plenty of anti-patriot and pro-eagles listeners to this podcast. I don't want them to think I'm too much on one side of the fence, man. <laughs> I just we, what what happened they're saying is in Vegas at the, some of the sports books there was this dude who apparently during do you remember the guy who during the World Series he came in and made those huge bets on like games 1 through 6 of the World Series and every time he would just like he would take his betting ticket and just roll it over to the next game, and he just made all this cash, and he got all six games right, didn't play game seven. And apparently this dude is going back through Vegas right now, putting down multi-million dollar bets at all the casinos for the Philadelphia Eagles. And so I think that what happened is that it, you know some of the Vegas casinos got it down to three and a half, but um, immediately upon putting it down to three and a half, they found resistance back up to four in the casinos. You can't find anything less than minus four and a half online in any of the offshore books. But it seems like the Vegas casinos have taken on 
a whole lot of liability there on the Eagles side. And I just can't believe that the Eagles are public favorites. I mean, how are the Eagles public favorites in this deal against, I mean, we're talking Doug Peterson and Nick Foles versus Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. How, how is like 55% of the betting public on the Eagles? I just, I don't know. I don't understand because it. Because I'd expect it to be the other way around. I'd expect it to be the real sharp players with the big volume of money maybe on the Eagles if that's the way that this thing was setting up. Yeah. But for the public to be on that side of things sure is strange. I Dude, it's just really, really hard for me to figure out, you know, it's just, it's, I, you know, I can, there's a lot of smart, we have very intelligent counterparts in this industry and associates and a lot of them will tell you straight out they think the eagles are going to win this game just based on you know their defense and their toughness and schematically and what they're going to be able to do to get brady you know with the pass rush and i have a lot of respect for that i you know just for me it's just very very hard to understand how tom brady is going to lose a super bowl to nick Foles. yeah and and we'll get into and, and, all this and bill yeah. belichick to doug peterson uh, furthermore we're- We'll get into all this whenever we talk about the props because I have some props that, you know that I've identified that kind of uh, it just there's some there's some really good value and some good equity to be had I think not necessarily with the player props but with the some of the game props and then some of these other props man that um, that you can look at that just seem like they're pretty obvious but we'll talk about all those for, you wanted to get into some free agency talk first let's talk about the the uh, the Alex Smith trade. Um, Alex Smith gets traded to the Washington Redskins, the beginning of the Patrick Mahomes era in Kansas City, uh, starts, starts now. And I mean, the Redskins trade away a third round pick. They trade away Kendall Fuller, who DJ Swearinger got on Twitter and just had a tirade about it saying, that's our best, you know, that's our best player on defense. What the hell are you guys doing? Um, not only that, they paid him $71 million guaranteed on a what what was that a ninety five million dollar deal seventy one million guaranteed to Alex Smith who I believe is thirty was he thirty two or thirty three, um, what do you think of this? What I mean, what do you think of the trade in general? Do, I mean, what are the are you kind of wondering like I am what the just what in the hell the Redskins are doing? That they, have, that they have Kirk Cousins right there in their in their grab. I mean, was Kirk Cousins just asking for too much? How much more money could he have been asking for? But more than seventy one million guaranteed. Well, I mean, don't you know in life that more often than not, you're probably on the right side of things if you were on the opposite side of DJ Swearinger's rationale. <laughs> I guess well, that's probably. I don't know, man. It's probably true. I I think, but I think it goes to show the fact that look, Kendall Fuller had really good good grades on Pro Football Focus. Uh, Scott McLuhan came out right after that and said, "What are you doing trading Kendall Fuller? That's one of your absolute stars." I mean, McLuhan is a dude who I totally respect as far as his evaluation of these players. Clearly, he knows him very well as a guy who drafted him. Um, I I don't know. I just it. It feels like that was just a big need. Look, the, and I know that Kendall Fuller played slot corner for the Washington Redskins, but that's a big need for the Kansas City Chiefs is that corner opposite um, opposite Marcus Peters. Dude, they fucking brought in Daryl. They brought in the corpse of fat boy Daryl Revis 
this year. I mean, slot guys were. I mean, they could they could bump him into this slot. They could have him play outside. That makes it that makes a formidable duo for the for the Chiefs. Now you get Patrick Mahomes in there flinging the football around to uh, you know flinging it deep to Tyreek Hill, maybe getting. Um, Travis Kelsey involved on higher average depth of target receptions, something that he was able to overcome and be an elite tight end, even though his um, – I, I heard on the Roto, Roto Underworld podcast with Matt Kelly, him talking about he had the, only the 13th highest average depth of target in the league and was still right there on a on the pace with Rob Gronkowski, who had only the second highest average depth of target. What is this going to mean for Travis Kelsey and his exploits moving forward? Just a whole lot of stuff to a whole lot of stuff to get through about what it means from what's left behind on the Chiefs side. But what do you, I mean, just what do you make of this trade in in general? It just doesn't seem to make any sense to me. Well, I think it's okay for both teams. I think it's okay for a trade to be mutually beneficial. Uh, I think it's fine that the Kansas City Chiefs certainly filled some some needs and got great great value there. You know, from my perspective, and this dovetails perfectly into the free agency analysis that I start doing every time this year. I think when you put your general manager cap in and you dive into the numbers, it starts to make a lot more sense for the Washington Redskins. When you recognize that the Washington Redskins have $36 million in cap space after acquiring and locking down Alex Smith for the foreseeable future, man, this thing doesn't start to look too bad for the Redskins. They have $36 million in cap space even after they paid Josh Norman? Yeah, That's crazy to me. 30, no, I will admit the league is flush with cap space right now. So there's a lot of team with a lot of cap space. But the Redskins, number, They're 13, spend it. <laughs> number, thir- number 13 in the league, top 50%, flush with cash with cap uh, cap space, almost $40 million. They've got their starting, a quality starting quarterback locked and loaded. I mean, you can argue that Alex Smith and Kirk Cousins are similar quarterbacks, and you can argue that Alex Smith will make less mistakes than Kirk Cousins. Um you know, for the money Cousins won, I'm a Cousins truther. I love him. But, he, you know, for the money you're going to have to pay that guy, uh, you know, he hasn't proven that he's in the up, upper echelon of quarterback sustainably uh, and reliably on a week-to-week basis. Uh, Alex Smith is a plenty good player. I think he fits what the Redskins are trying to do. It's a good fit for Jay Gruden coming over from Andy Reid. I, it, I, it, we'll have to see what the subsequent – moves in free agency for the Redskins are. They bought high on Alex Smith after his best season. And Alex Smith was drafted in like, what, 2004? Was he drafted in 2004? No, 2005. I mean... You say bought high. I mean, a third, you know, a Joe Banner will tell you a third-round pick for a quality starting quarterback in this league. No, is- 70, $71 million guaranteed money. Seems just like a lot of money for Alex. Smith, is the whole man. seventy-one guaranteed? Seventy-one million is guaranteed. Well, that's what quarterbacks get. I mean, Andrew Luck and these guys are getting a hundred, a hundred million guaranteed. So, I mean, that's just what you pay a quarterback. I'm looking at this thing. Hold on, it's Alex Smith here. Let's look at his cap hits. So his average salary is twenty-three and a half million. That's it's a lot. That's good. It's going to be very reasonable versus the market. I mean, I don't know. Kirk Cousins is going to Kirk Cousins is going to get more than that. And and Andrew Luck did not get a hundred million guaranteed. He got eighty-seven million guaranteed. 
Who, so, who got Derek Carr got a hundred million guaranteed or very close to? Did he? Let's look up Derek Carr. I'm go, I'll go to Spot Track right now and just see. I just I don't I don't feel like it's commis. I don't think that seventy one million guaranteed is commiserate one. Bi- no, no, he got seventy point two million guaranteed. Uh, Alex Smith got more guaranteed money than Derek Carr. Well, did. and Alex Smith is a better quarterback than Derek Carr. So look, he's a, what is Alex Smith? He's thirty. Is he what? Is he thirty four right now? He's thirty three. Thirty three. Thirty three. I don't know what he is going into the season. Look, you can argue that the Redskins over whatever it is, it's less than they were going to have to commit to and pay to Kirk Cousins. And they're still ripe with cap space, and they've got a quality quarterback who's not going to make a ton of mistakes. So I think it's a fun talking point for the media how stupid the Redskins are, and usually it's right. But the real the proof in this pudding is going to be what they do with this cap space. If they build around Alex Smith, you know they've got a chance to have a, a pretty good team. I mean, while we're discussing it, if you if you look at the Redskins' cap situation, not only are they ripe with cap space, they don't really have too many people they've got to worry about renegotiating uh, that Jordan Reed is a player that they can either cut or renegotiate. I don't think they're going to pay his cap figure this year. I, I want to say it's around 9 million. Uh, there's a good chance they're going to keep Vernon Davis uh, this year. And then how really, could you, how could you pay Jordan Reed at this point? Yeah. So if you cut Jordan Reed, all of a sudden you're over 40 million in cap space and you got Vernon Davis. Who's been very functional there for Jay Gruden in that role. And the only other guy you're really looking at re-upping is maybe getting, getting Colt locked back up as your backup for a few more years. He's coming to a close in his contract there with Washington. Other than that, they've got the luxury. They're, they're in a very flexible position right now. So the Redskins, if they draft well for the next one to two years and make the right free agent signings, you know, we'll see. You saw it with the Jacksonville Jaguars this year. I was always concerned about a team with that much cap space. But that's a team that's spent it well and it's worked for them on the defensive side of the ball. You know, see the Giants and Jerry Reese, it didn't work for them. I, You know, the, the Redskins don't have a track record of working. But I don't think it's as disastrous as as – as everybody likes to make it up to be, because it's a fun story to talk about. When you get into the nuts and bolts of the side of the Redskins thing, you say, all right, I got Alex Smith locked up, and I got $40 million in cap space. Uh, a pretty good roster. Do you, don't, you don't think that this means that they like Alex Smith more than they like Kirk Cousins? You don't think they could have said, look, look Kirk, we're going to give you the same deal that Derek Carr got? I think it that? means like, that they like the value on... Alex Smith's more, and I think that there was a little bit of acrimony between Kirk Cousins and the Redskins on equal sides. So I mean, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna go out of your way to do a deal with somebody who doesn't really want to be there. You know, they clearly weren't comfortable paying him the big, big money. I'm not sure he was gonna get. You know, he's probably gonna turn down an offer of Alex Smith money. You know, so. You know, I think Kirk Cousins won it out in a lot of ways. So for Josh Doxson, what do I think? This isn't great, you know, with Alex Smith, but I'm not I'm not sure it changes much. It, what if he turns into Alex Smith's go-to guy? Is it any different than the seven points a game or whatever we were seeing, you know, down the stretch? Well, yeah, but we weren't Cousins? but yeah, but we're not hoping for that to con- we're not hoping for that to continue. We're hoping for a huge breakout. It's a, it's more body blows. <laughs> yeah. For Josh I'd say Doxon. it's probably a body blow. Yeah. yeah another body, body blow. blow. Body blow after body blow for Josh Doxon dynasty owners. It's just 
they just keep coming. They come in waves. <laughs> it's just been it's been a nightmare. Uh, I, I'm gonna have to move him down from his initial slotting here on the best ball cheat sheet uh, as we get that thing going. I just I'm not sure. I you know I'm not sure that I see him in in the in the same. In the same light with a Alex Smith who just had, I mean, his deep ball efficiency was good this last year, but it was the first season and basically in his career, and it just seems like a total, total outlier. What if he um, can turn Josh Doxson into his Travis Kelsey? I just not. I, I don't even know if that's possible. I'm not sure but. it's possible because what, I mean, Travis Kelsey's, you know, Travis Kelsey run. Travis Kelsey's a, a, a tight end and Josh Doxson's an X wide receiver, and he can't, he can't turn. I mean, I understand what you mean. I think they, they both, can move they dogs in around. Bodies. They both have big bodies. He could you turn him into his Travis Kelsey in the red zone if there's no Jordan Reed. And that why can not? Certainly you don't think he happen. can run slants and things like that? I don't know. I, I think I, you know. And I, can can they move Doxon around? I don't know. Is he a guy you could put in the slot? Sometimes, maybe not a lot. I don't not know a lot. You have Jamison Crowder, who you already have as a you know to a complete slot guy. I mean, J- Josh Doxon's going to line up as the X wide receiver. That's that's what he is. Well, it could be great so, news for Jamison Crowder. Well, after a after a bit of a you know, I mean, no, I don't if, know. especially if Jordan. Here, what if Jordan Reed gets the axe? Say no Jordan Reed, Alex Smith comes in. Yeah, I'd say it, you have it, to feel good about Jamison Crowder. I think so too. And it was an up and down year for Crowder. I I'm 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 not sure I would call it a down year, but certainly an up and down year, a hit or miss year for that guy. And I'm also not sure I want to say feel good, but you'd feel positive. Yeah, well, that, well, that's the thing. Like, what do you feel good about with bringing in Alex Smith? Is it just like you didn't feel good about anything to begin with? So I just I just think the Redskins need to they need to try to make this an elite defense. And they have some pieces of the puzzle. If they can get an elite defense, uh, get the running game, you know, draft a running back, do something like that, get the running game. I don't know. Maybe, maybe would you, I don't, I can't imagine seeing Jay Gruden spend money on a Carlos Hyde. He'd be a good fit. I just, I don't know, man. It's like, if you're going to, if you're going to make an elite defense, you need to spend a lot of money on them because you just gave away one of your key young pieces that was most important to that group yeah, well, to get this that, done on offense. I'd say that so. they, I'd say that hopefully the Redskins look at building an elite defense here. If they do that, they could be well served. And I, and I totally agree. I, I totally agree, but I just wonder if they really are considering that they just got rid of Kendall Fuller. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It'll I, be I a mean, big, big narrative in the off season. I'd, I'd have to look at their depth chart. I wonder if there's any guys internally they have behind them that they like. Uh, I I don't know. I could pull up. Let's just pull up the depth chart real quick and just sort of see. Let's see. They, you know, I mean, you, everybody knows that they have Josh Josh Norman, but that's not really a guy that was behind anybody. The on the depth chart. I mean, what Brashad Breland? I guess uh, does he does he do anything? He's not a does bad he player. He's been the you? starter on the other side that got smoked by. Des a couple times, but he's have, an up and down they, player. They have Fabian uh, Fabian Moreau, who they drafted in the third round last year. Um, other than that, they have the guy Josh Holsey, who they, was a seventh rounder last year. So they have a couple guys who they drafted last year in the third and the seventh round. Of course, Kendall Fuller was their uh, third rounder from 2016. They all, it looks like they have Quentin Dunbar kind of banging around the roster there too. Who was a college free agent in 2015? So, not a. I mean, I don't know. A third rounder and a seventh rounder from last season. They could really like those guys. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, it'll be interesting to follow. It's obviously a really big move. 
Yeah, exciting times, man. This sets up for the good narratives as we get ready for the NFL Combine. It is Alex Dunlap and Byron Lambert here on the Roster Watch podcast. Please go to rosterwatch.com, get a pro membership. Uh, if you're already a pro member and you enjoy the podcast, please make sure you're subscribed. Make sure to listen, rate, and review uh, with a five star rating. It would help us tremendously. Byron, any of this other free agency stuff you want to get into before we talk about some of these Super Bowl props? I've got a ton of it, man, so we can just fill in where we want. I've got I've got the rest of the NFC East if we want to talk that since we've talked Redskins. And let's, we could talk also... NFC, let, let's talk NFC East free agency. All right, let's do that, and then we'll finish with the Eagles, and I at least have the Patriots worked out so we could talk about the two Super Bowl teams. So let's All just right. buzz, buzz through NFC East here. Uh, the Giants, the New York Giants, they are number 21 in the league in terms of projected cap space for 2018. Uh, they're, they're projected to have $20 million plus in cap space. Um, we got a, a very, very interesting situations brewing here on the defensive side of the ball. I expect Dave Gettleman to start cleaning house of some of the relics there of Jerry Reese's big defensive free agent spending spree. There's going to be decisions to make on Olivier Vernon. Janoris Jenkins and Dominic Rogers Cromartie. Uh, they're either going to get, I, I'd expect they're either going to get restructured or could be out uh, with, with Gettleman there in town. What is, what is, um, do you have it off the top of your head? What, what, what Jenkins's numbers are for next year? See, let me pull it up really quick. He's um, because that seems like a guy you'd like to you'd probably like to keep around if you could. So Janoris Jenkins rabbit. is heading into into 2018. It's a 13 million dollar cap hit with six million and uh, dead. So he's a third. Uh, he's a twelve. He's a twelve to thirteen million dollar player uh, moving forward. So I don't. You know, I, I think there's a chance where maybe he 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 may just stay and play this under 13 million dollars next year but i think gentlemen might approach approach him about i at least think there's going to be discussions about there's Janoris always Jenkins. discussions with there's always discussions to be had with gettleman <laughs> right i mean he'll he'll walk in there pull up his big boy pants and he'll have some he'll have some discussions i'm, I'm not sure he's ready he wants to pay janoris jenkins well we know 13 million a year he's got the cap space nobody loves eating a lot of dead cap but this is a good time to go to janoris and Try to tweak them a little bit if you're um, Dave Gettleman. Olivier Vernon looks – I can't see them getting away from this guy. It looks like 2019 would be the best time to get away from him. Um, in, in 2018, he's he, he has a $17 million cap hit, $12 million of which is, is, is dead. Yeah, but so, don't you think – Don't I you think, think that – I think it's easier to get away from him in 2019. Uh, I just think you, these are guys that they might start talking to. I think mm-hmm. Gettleman might start putting a gun to these guys' heads. Well, I mean, we'll that's, see. What, that's what Gettleman does. That's what he does. So I think there's, I, I just believe, I mean, and uh, Vernon's a good player. Just, I expect, I mean, maybe not this off. We could, uh, Ross watch is always guilty, maybe being a year too early on some things. Gettleman's going to start cleaning house with that defense. We're going to see a huge defensive turnover for the Giants. And those were just some of the core guys. Dominique Rogers Cromartie, I believe, could happen this year. Uh, for sure. I think those what? are some of the core guys. And then, of course, you're going to see Brandon Marshall. He's, you know, he's going to be out. Wide receiver Brandon Marshall. Jerry Reese's other holdover from his, some of his spending spree last year. So I just think we're going to see some of the big names 
Gettleman start to clean house of some of the big names in the next one to two seasons. And if, even if the moves don't happen this year, you can damn well bet Dave Gettleman is in his office talking about these guys and, 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 and that they, they are at least going to broach these situations. I, I think he's also going to consider letting Odell play the last year of his rookie contract out while he starts to get the rest of this house in order. He can always use the franchise tag next offseason if he needs to. Oh, Especially boy. He, Imagine the drama that's going to be surrounding Ode- Odell and his talking about not wanting the franchise tag and wanting to be the highest paid player in the league and everything else. I mean, yeah. maybe he gets it done. But look, Odell's coming off a pretty severely broken ankle. And it, look, if I was Dave Gettleman, I'd want to get to know Odell Beckham. Before yeah, I pay him in the this bu- super in the huge with bucks. The guy, right. And look, Gettleman's let Josh Norman go. We've seen he can have a cold, cold heart as a GM. We've seen him do it in Carolina. So I don't know. I, I don't think he's going to take it easy on Odell. We'll see. I'll be surprised if Odell gets an extension anytime soon. I'd expect it to go into the season or close to the season, or he might might let let this thing roll out. Uh, uh, through the season and then tag him if he has to while they negotiate. I, I, I just think he's going to have other priorities starting to clean house and, and make clean up Jerry Reese's mess a little bit there. You know, the good news is they do have the $20 million in cap space. So to your point, none of this ha- not none of this necessarily has to happen right now. And then when you think – when you look at Eli Manning, man, I just – I feel like this is coming home to roost. I've looked at this long and uh, thoroughly and – I I just the most likely scenario for the New York Giants is to keep Eli Manning and to draft a rookie quarterback. Um, However, however, I I certainly think they would they're going to consider maybe seeing if somebody like the Arizona Cardinals they could trade him. I think it's a tradable contract if need be uh, for a year for a year or two there for the next couple of years. Um, or, or, you know, if, if, if with the cap space, Gettleman has the cap space to do it if he wants to finagle. If he decides they want to go after Case Keenum or Kirk Cousins, Case Keenum a good, an obvious fit because of Pat Shermer coming over. He would keep the team competitive as they rebuild. He'd be a lower impact on the salary cap he'd still allow you to draft a josh rosen a rookie quarterback at number one if you wanted to he'd also allow you to draft an elite skill player in the first round if you want to somebody like case keenan would give massive flexibility uh uh uh, to the Giants. So if they do consider going a route like that, then I think there's a situation where if they can't trade Eli Manning, they might just consider outright cu- uh, cutting him. Um, I certainly think if Gettleman for some reason thinks Kirk Cousins is the answer, a more expensive option than than Case Keenum, but you could argue, you know, I think there's a that's an argument there who 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 would provide more value but I think you could look at Cousins and I, I they have the money if they really wanted Cousins they can get they could cut or trade Eli they could go they could make room for Cousins they could bring him on and then they could uh they could draft like a Saquon Barkley at number 2 or another skill player they really love uh in the first round and they wouldn't have to worry about going quarterback because that's a team that could be competitive now and you bring in somebody like a Cousins, you have a chance to win the NFC East uh, maybe next, even as soon as next year. So a, and guy, while, that know, a guy that knows the division. While you, while you focus on taking care of the rest of this, the roster, cleaning up the rest of the roster. So 
I think the Giants are like a real dark horse and sleeper here for some interesting activity this offseason. They've got $20 million in cap space as is. They can, it looks like they can free up. Like, hey, Dwayne Harris needs to be packing his bags because he has he he's owed four he's owed four million dollars with only a little over a million dead. He's gone, and then Brandon Marshall needs to pack his bags too. He's owed six point one million dollars, only one million dead. He's gone. That's they what I mean. They're gonna have thirty million. They got thirty million in space. Easy. They can yeah. sign Kirk Cousins if they want him. And look, if you're gonna go pay, I mean, th- that that's I mean. And then you make you just you, you're patient with Odell. If you're thinking about keeping Odell and Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard, of course you're going to keep all those guys. They're all young, right? I mean, you it's, it's kind of logical to say, what well, man? Maybe if we get a Kirk Cousins in here, make a few good moves on on defense and offensive line, and get a running back in here, like, dude, this we're all of a sudden very competitive, and we're good for the next five years. And look, Gettleman and Shermer, I know they want to build for the future, but those guys are trying to win now and keep their jobs. So. In the end, I think the most likely scenario is they keep Eli, they draft somebody like Josh Rosen at number two. I'd say tradition and and a lot of other circumstantial evidence dictates that's probably what will happen. But they have quite a bit of flexibility here, and I count the Giants in as a surprise team uh, uh, this offseason. Potentially. All right. Let's. Uh, so that's the Giants. We said we wanted to go right. to the Eagles oh, yeah. let's, last. So let's, let's buzz through Dallas really quick. Dallas has about twenty million in cap space too. They are number twenty three in cap space is projected for two thousand eighteen. Um, there's gonna. We talked to Jerry Jones at the Senior Bowl. I mean, he loves Dez and wants to keep him, but I think everybody knows at this point Dez is going to be a, approached for a contract reach restructure. I would expect uh, to see that happen. I think there also could be some talks with Sean Lee regarding his contract. That's a player that they really need, uh, but he's been unreliable. And then, you know, most importantly, it's about time to start talking to Zach Martin about a contract extension. They've already got Travis Frederick locked up. So I think you're going to see a contract restructure with Dez. I think you might see extension for Zach Martin this offseason. And uh, Sean Lee is... uh, somebody else I wouldn't be surprised that's kind of a big name in, there in Dallas that I management might talk to redoing his contract a little bit. How do you think uh, they're going to redo Sean Lee's? Do you think he do you think that he needs what what does he do? Let's see. Sean Lee is due this year. Oh, wait. So he's he's due 7.3 this year with 14.4 that dead. My god. Let me see here. But what was coming up next year for Sean Lee? Let me see what it was. Erno, yeah, I think, yeah. I think this is a player that they might just start thinking about kind of getting out ahead of. You know what I mean? 11, and, no, I'm sorry. Eleven million is the eleven million is what he's due with seven million dead. I was reading the 2017 numbers, so looks like the best potential out might be in 2019, where he'll only have three million dead associated. But you're yeah. saying that they might want to re-up him? Yeah, I'm saying it's a team like the Cowboys with Sean Lee as a core piece. This is a yep. they're in a situation where they don't have a ton of other pressing stuff going on. That this is an opportunity for them to get out, maybe get with Sean Lee, work something back out, just keep him there as a Cowboy long term. You know, because he has had the injury concerns, and there there are going to be. This is the luxury you have sometimes is to get a year or two out in front of some of these important contracts. How and, how how interested should the Cowboys be in paying paying Cole Beasley four point two five million with only one million dead? 
whenever you have Ryan Switzer on the team. I know Ryan Switzer is having some offseason surgery and stuff, but they're expecting him to be okay. Um, apparently, he was one of their he was their uh, on their all rookie team or their team's rookie of the year or whatever. From what Jerry Jones told us at the Senior Bowl, what do you think about how important is Cole Beasley for? I think for, you know, for that number, he'll be back, and then we'll just wait and see. And 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 like I said, I I, I think the guy to really watch though is in a similar situation as Sean Lee, where it doesn't have to be done this year, but it's a good time to start doing it with one of your young studs. Is I wouldn't be surprised if we see an extension for Zach Martin this offseason out of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, okay, and then let's move along to the two teams in the Super Bowl and wrap, wrap up our free agency analysis, our early offseason free agency analysis of uh, for this edition of the podcast. The Eagles, they have very little cap space uh, projected heading into 2018, right at the bottom of the league. Um, not a, you know, they've got a good oh, roster. They have the least, huh? Yeah, they have the least cap space. Yeah, they have a good roster that's in the Super Bowl, so it's one that. Um, I think the core pieces for the most part are going to be the same next year. I'd expect to see uh, Torrey Smith probably gone, and I think that Brent Selleck will probably be gone. Could be or will likely be as with a team that's going to be hampered for space and maneuverability. I'd, I'd say those two players are the two. I don't oh, know. Torrey Smith is playing his last game <laughs> as, as a Philadelphia Eagle in, in the Super Bowl. They are not paying him $5 million next year with, with absolutely no dead money associated. Absolutely not. It's just, yeah. it's just, it's just not going to happen. They like Mac Hollins. That's going yeah, to be an Alshon I, Jeffrey, Mac Hollins deal. And I think, and Selleck, I, it's a pretty good chance Selleck is going to be gone as well. And then uh, let's turn our attention to the other team in the Super Bowl. It's the Patriots coming in at uh, number projected at number 24 with about 19 million in cap space heading into 2018. Uh, Danny Amendola, Rex Burkhead, and Dion Lewis are all going to be heading into free agency. Uh, Dwayne Million, Dwayne Allen could be on the chopping block with a five million dollar cap head and no dead money. I believe in the last year of his. Uh, deal there and so I'd expect to see some movement with all of those guys on offense Mike Gillisley very well could get the axe uh, this year as well if they well, don't he, just... he should he was inactive for half the damn year yeah what so they... I'd, I'd expect them to you know cut Mike Gillisley cut Dwayne Allen see what they can do with Burkhead Lewis and Amendola and then um, you know if Tom Brady wins another Super Bowl uh, this, this again, you know, it's not a pressing contract situation and he's been a pretty easygoing guy when it comes to the contract, but he and Gronk are both players that there could be some internal rumbles there in New England, uh, about, uh, uh, examining their contract situations moving forward, much like we've talked about some of these other guys, not, not necessarily has to happen, but in a situation where, uh, I'd expect either the player or the teams to at least start glossing over these situations with Tom Brady and uh, Gronkowski. All right, so those are the two Super Bowl teams. We're going to have a ton more uh, NFL free agency talk clearly through here through the offseason and as we, especially leading up to the combine because this is how we get to ask all the best questions at the combine that end up littered all over the pages of Roto World and every place else <laughs> as they pertain to fantasy uh, because we go in there and we make sure that we're informed about these situations for all 32 NFL teams. We're able to do it 
because we can make this our job and make this our living, and we can only do that because of our pro community at rosterwatch.com. If you enjoy what we do here at Rosterwatch, if you appreciate what we do, please go to rosterwatch.com, get a pro membership. Okay, um, let's go over some of these Super Bowl props, Byron, before we get out of here. And I'll just go through some of these uh, that I was looking at, and then I'll ask you your thoughts. So let's start at Bovada here because some of these places are offering kind of different different bets. Bovada is giving the best as far as online. Bovada is giving the best odds right now for a Tom Brady MVP at minus one ten. Uh, that's compared to a minus one thirty over at Sportsbook, a minus one thirty over at Bet DSI. I mean, to me, if you think the Patriots are going to win, which I do, and the odds say that they should, I mean, isn't Tom Brady to win the Super Bowl MVP at minus 110, just the utter epic lock of all locks. Last year, the, the MVP probably should have been James White, right? Didn't he score three touchdowns in that huge comeback? I think it was three touchdowns. I think you're monster. just saying, like, it's about a 50-50 that the Patriots are going to win, and if they win, you think it's about it's 100% gonna, it's, chance that he's the lock. MVP. So yeah. that's like a one-for-one one bet. It's mathematically it makes – it's a pretty, pretty – it's like uh, – it's a pretty reasonable proposition. I think minus one ten for Tom Brady to win the MVP is just a. I mean, that's just, that's just that's one of the my one of my core prop bet positions this week. Um, and clearly, that could go bad with you know one outcome, and that one outcome is the Philadelphia the Philadelphia Eagles win, and <laughs> that bet's completely out the window. But I think it's a little bit better than fifty fifty, you know. And the odds will tell you it's better than 50 Well, yeah, you certainly think it's better than 50-50. And, well, and the odds will tell you it's better than 50-50, you know? Well, and the Patriots it, are favorites, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean. um, the color of Belichick's shirt. This is one that this is pretty pretty interesting. Um, I look, I looked back at all of the – every photo that I could of Belichick's different Super Bowls where he's you – You've gone back and watched the tape? No, 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 no. I've just looked at photos. Looked at photos uh, from the different soup from the different Super Bowls, and he's worn blue. I think in all but uh, I think all but either two or three of them. I know at least one he wore gray. Um, maybe two he wore gray, and then there was one where he wore red, and then the one he wore red was the one where they lost. And, or the, he's lost more than one, but the one where they, he wore red, it was like a weird red hoodie that he wore that time. He'd never done it before, and they lose to the Giants in that one. Um, so red is a plus 1,000. I looked up Belichick red hoodie on Google, and if you just look that up, uh, his wife, or not his, maybe still his girlfriend, Linda Holiday, I believe, she was even quoted a few years ago coming into one of these Super Bowls. There have been so goddamn many for these Patriots. These fans are so, so... So spoiled. Was this number but, eight? Yeah, she even said coming into one of these recent ones that the, like he's never going to wear a red hoodie again to a to a Super Bowl. She said that that thing was ugly to begin with, and whatever you and know. probably washed him out. What uh? What did uh? I what think was the hoodie that he wore in the other one that he lost to the Giants? Might have been. It was either blue or gray. That's it, here's the thing. The the prop here that I'm betting is blue minus one fifty. If you look, he's been wearing blue all all playoffs. Um, hasn't necessarily been wearing a hoodie all playoffs, and that's an interesting prop when we get to bet DSI. But I think for me, this one is blue at minus one fifty. Um, I think what that's is gray. Blue. I think gray is like plus 
I think Gray's plus 175. Huh, okay. You can see that one. And then other than that, it gets so you're it taking starts, the favorite. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for huh. sure. Um, and I think that there's a lot of I think that there's a lot of edge to be had taking some of the favorites here. Um, you know, well, that's one of my Bowl, weaknesses as a better. Everybody wants, to, I bet, think it's everybody wants to bet the underdogs because they see that plus whatever and they just want to get the big hit out of it. And dude, is that lines, why people take the underdogs? That's not why I really take them. But that's okay. That makes sense. People, I, gen, whatever for whatever reason, people are generally drawn to underdogs. Yes. Would you say? Yeah. Well, yes, because they put they see that they get better than an even money payout out of it. Nobody wants to lay six hundred dollars down to win a hundred bucks. That's no fun. People want to you know people want to root to put down a hundred dollars and make six hundred. So they look for they look for their edges there with the underdogs. Where and 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 the and the lines makers know this. And so they juice, they they really, really like you get a lot better equity if you're willing to take the longer odds to make less money, like yeah. that 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 is built into the, to these lines 100. percent um, All right, here's one that's pretty much evened either way here at Bavada. How many times during the broadcast? And I'm going to let you guess this. How many times during the broadcast is the word dynasty uttered? What's the over under? Three and a half. It, it, well, you're going to want to take you're going to want to take the over because it, two and a half is the line that's been set at, at Bovada. Thoughts? It just uh, seems like just depends say it on it the depends open. on if they're blowing them out in the fourth quarter, they might say it ten times. Yeah, well, they're going to say Michaels will say it once in the open, don't you think? Whenever he's talking about it, he's, whenever he's kind of giving the overview of. You know, here we are at the Super Bowl. We have and you can get you know, either, bro- either broadcaster can say it. What? Either broadcaster can say it. Oh, dude, it could be said during a commercial. I think it just needs to be during the broadcast. Yeah, well, I'd take the over. Um, how many times will Robert Kraft be shown during the broadcast? What are they going to say? They're going to say one and a half or two and a half. Yeah, it's two, two and a half. And the and the over on two and a half is actually minus two hundred. They think he'll be shown more than that. I would take the over all day. I think the Patriots are going to win. So we'll see Robert Kraft getting the at least we'll see him getting the trophy if they win. And then we'll also see. I think you just cut you cut, you cut to the owners box a couple times in these games. Dude, these bets are sick, man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and then uh, here's the last one from Bavada. Um, who will the Super Bowl MVP mention first? And I, I kind of like one of these long shot ones. I kind of because I think it'll probably be Brady, and I, I like him to mention family first at plus one thousand. I looked back at um, the last few times his his last few Super Bowl MVP speeches, and. I noticed that he mentioned teammates first in one of them. Uh, he and he mentioned family first in two of them. I also know that this week has been a week wherever he's gotten a bunch of shit about his kids for giving his for his son giving him some kind of French kiss on his Facebook show. What also, the fuck was going on with that? Well, so, I don't know. I, I know he was getting a massage. Or, that was just a. He's yeah. kind of weird, right? And then, um, <laughs> so there's this. been that going on. There's also been going on with, you know, it the, seemed uh, very like elitist and European. Yeah, yeah, kind of right. And then kind like some, like, yeah, like something like <laughs> something like regular families don't do that only like the uber 
you know, like only that the mega elite kind of know to do is like give each other big mouth, open mouth kisses. Um, but you know, these, the are, these is, are for the people that take like different. Yeah. They have well, different doctors. Did, they have different. Did, yeah. yeah. But didn't Tom Brady's dad give him a big mouth kiss to you after one Super Bowl? Maybe it's just in the family. I think I think the the father son mouth kiss was more in vogue back in like the seventies and eighties. I feel like it's dissipated though. Yeah, I like I like I've ne- I, I'm always giving my son a kiss on the cheek, on the forehead. I'll continue to do that. Fuck man, maybe till I die. But I've never given him a kiss on the mouth yet, and I don't. I'm I'm not sure I will. You know, and he's a tiny baby. So that's, that's fine, man. Things things change. I'm not even sure I've given my daughter a kiss on the mouth. I think you just kind of kiss him on the cheek and on the forehead. You can give him plenty of love without a big mouth kiss, like especially one that's kind of open. But anyway, so people are talking about that stuff, and and then there was the stuff before with the WEI uh, stuff, wherever uh, Alex Reimer on WEI called his daughter an annoying little piss ant, and he had to get on the phone and kind of defend it. I think if I think it, I think he gets up there and if he wins, wins, wins the MVP, he's, he's going to thank his family first and for their support. Um, and always standing by him and, you know, he loves them. Then thank his teammates and everything. So well, I kind of, I kind of like family at plus one. Why don't you 1, toss out one or two of the other options that might tickle our listeners fancy? Let's see. Uh, I don't, I don't have Bovada pulled up, but I, I can pull it. I actually have Sportsbook pulled up right now. But well, what's the? He's, he can thank the fans, obviously. If, uh, uh, teammates was number one at plus three twenty five. I think fans was somewhere between three twenty five and one thousand. Family was like fourth down. God was, God was one of the top ones. To, God was right up there with teammates. I don't feel like I've ever heard Tom Brady talk about God. Have I? I don't think you have either, man. Like I said, dude, I think he might come from like you. One of these people that has their own doctors, man. Has he's kind of he's kind of going the way of Tom Cruise a little bit, and later later in life, he could be a Scientologist for all we know. Um, well, I know his mom has been real sick too, so I know yeah. he's very very close to her. See, well, that's another thing. I don't want to make light out of that stuff, but I think family plus one thousand uh, if Brady does win. And you, man, do you know what? Even if it's Nick Foles. Don't you think that he would say thank? It's not like he has too many. Like I don't think that he's probably too close with everybody on that team. It's not like he's 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 sweated and bled with those guys for the I whole think entire Nick Foles season. Would think, I think he would thank God first. I I think he would too. You're right. Because isn't he? He would. Foles would thank God. So if you think that the Eagles are going to win, I think God is a perfectly fine uh, prop. Uh, but yeah, knowing Foles, I was going to say, but you know, Foles like that's a. That's a family from right here in Austin, man. I grew up in the same community with those guys. That's a close, tight knit family. I would not be surprised to hear him, hear 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 him thank thank his uh, thank thank his mom and his dad because they've been a really really supportive family of him. He, I think he, he, he will, he will thank his Lord and Savior Jesus Christ first. I think he will too. You're you're totally right. Knowing knowing pretty, the family, I would say I that, feel yeah. dialed in on this one. Yep. Um, okay, uh, over to Bet DSI. This is one of the ones I feel like is the biggest lock there is. Uh, the color of the Matt Patricia hoodie. I'm sure you have a guess, right? Yeah, well, I don't know why red comes to mind when I yep. think about Matt Patricia's yep. hoodie. It's red. It's a minus 120. It's an absolute lock. Uh, you look at any. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You look at any photo, of, and it's the reason why Belichick's not going to wear red. Patricia wears red. And so they w- color coordinate. They color decoordinate over there. What's What's interesting, though, is that you can get action. Um, on Belichick, you can get action on is he going to wear a 
you know, um, like Belichick's hoodie color on, on BetDSI, it's, you only get action if he actually wears a hoodie. Because he's been wearing clothes recently that aren't necessarily hoodies, that are more like shirts, like um, athletic kind of fabric shirts. So you, if he doesn't wear a hoodie, you can't get any of these hoodie bets on Belichick. It's not the same for Matt Patricia on BetDSI. They just know that he's going to be wearing a hoodie. Uh, you can bet on whether he's going to be wearing a hoodie, but you have to lay minus 200 that he is. So he's going to be wearing a, a red hoodie. Love that bet. Minus 120. Lock it in. Um, how about this one? Will Al or Chris say Rocky? <laughs> Do you think they will? No. If okay, the game so, was in Philadelphia, they would show the statue and say. You don't think they're sure. going to? You, you don't think they're going to show the statue? The the over under on showing the statue is one. If they're going to be showing the statue, you got to figure they're going to say it. Why would they show the stat? Only if they're. I guess if they win, they'll show it, right? Yeah, maybe, but. It's just kind of like there's also the problem. They'll about tell the narrative of the Eagles being like Rocky. You think they're going to throw that bullshit well, story out there? This should, probably it could maybe. be a good TV narrative. Yeah. Um, yes. Guess. Yes. Yes is plus one eighty. No is minus one fifty. Um, which oh, way no. would you lean there? If they're going to mention Rocky, Rocky yes, yeah. plus one eighty. Yeah, I'll take the plus one eighty. The yes. Biggest, biggest lock of all the props besides the Matt Patricia hoodie, will Al Michaels or Chris Collinsworth say pro football focus? Oh yeah, it's so it's 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 an epic lock of all time. It, it's it's now it's minus two hundred, but it's gonna happen. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna happen. I mean, this is Chris Collinsworth's big stage to pump out his stats from his company. Yeah, it's going to happen. I mean. Uh, if you put the over under it even, you feel slimy doing it. Like yeah, oh, I think two? I do. No, no, no. I'm saying like even at two, I think I would take the nah, over under. I think no. I, I think I get the. I think I take the over, and I think I just say at worst I'm going to get a push. He'll say it twice. I like it right where it's at. Um, all right. Here's the, here's the last two. Um, or no, I actually have t- uh, two others. One is pink. What color will her hair be? Um, I don't have the exact odds pulled up. I think it's minus 150 for it to be blonde or white. I was talking to my wife about this. She just saw pink on the uh, music awards, and she knows better than She's more tapped into pop culture than me right now. She said that pink is in a real kind of plain Jane sort of mode of her uh, kind of, um, I guess, uh, of, of her musical and fashion career, she's been a woman who's, you know, been all over the, been all over the place as far as the way that she's typically dressed and her styles have frequently changed. Right now at the music awards, she just wore a a t shirt and jeans, and her hair was her natural color of white slash blonde. I think that that probably continues here heading into the Super Bowl. There's also the prop bet on whether. I thought um, Justin Timberlake was doing the halftime this year. Yeah, we're talking national anthem. Okay. Um, and then the other deal is: will there be, will there be cleavage shown by Pink in the national anthem? And I just think that, given the fact that she just she wore such you know vanilla kind of clothing 
for her performance at the Music Awards. I don't think there's going to be any cleavage. I think there might be possibly rules against cleavage during the national anthem. What constitutes cleavage? Just a little crack, a little crack in the day, crack of daylight, or what? Bookmaker's decision. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, uh, Justin Timberlake appears at halftime with a headset. To me, as a former musician and a, a guy who you know had a, had a career touring and, and, and playing um, playing music, certainly at not events like the Super Bowl, but definitely at events where we had to have uh, music directors and different people come in and work with us about what we were going to do as far as the technical aspect of the performance. I would say there's absolutely no way that Timberlake is not wearing a headset. He's going to need to have in-ear monitors in. He's going to need to, since he's a dancer, he is going to need to have uh, one of the um, one of the wraparound microphones. He's not going to be. It's just it's not a situation where they're going to have uh, vocal mics set up for him. Uh, clearly, he's going to be doing a bunch of lip syncing. There's going to be a ton of backing tracks. But even when he, you know, he needs to. They need to give off the vibe that he is, you know, actually, you know, belting out this music and singing this music, which he really does. I, I give, I give JT a lot of credit for how talented he is, but he, there's going to need to be a, a headset on that guy. And yes, minus 140 is just an epic block to me. Um, I'll lay that down happily on him. Any thoughts on the, on, on Timberlake wearing a headset at halftime? Nah, man, I leave that to you guys, the experts on pop culture and professional music. The to And finally, we close the podcast out with this one. Speaking of pop culture, what do you think the over-under on times Dilly is said during the broadcast, including commercials? Okay, so you mean those Bud Light commercials where they say Dilly Dilly. Oh, well, I mean, I think you're going to see it. What's the over-under on that? I don't know. They've probably said the over-under is what, two and a half or three and a half? Oh, well, I guess three and a half. The word, the word Dilly. Dilly Dilly. I think they've got so it that, three and, so, a, three and so, a half. No, because they say dilly dilly and they say it back to it's, them. It's I don't know. Is it five? <laughs> I don't know, man. Is it five and, and a half? And hey, they didn't say how many times dilly dilly is said. They said how many times is dilly said? I'd say it's five and a half. Hey, well, you want to take the under then, and you're and you're going to be wrong. This is you need to take the over here at minus one thirty. Here's here's exactly why. I've already watched the Bud Light Super Bowl commercial, the one minute long Super Bowl commercial they purchased. It's called the Return of Bud Knight. Um, and Bud Knight is like this knight, you know, in, in kind of blue Bud Light armor. And he kind of comes down in the middle of all these people that are in the Dilly Dilly commercials. They're fighting off some people. He comes in to kind of, you know, comes in to help them. Now, only one time in that commercial do they say Dilly Dilly, right? Only one guy says Dilly Dilly. So that's two two Dillys there that we're guaranteed to have, okay? If you... If you think that they're only going to use that one fucking commercial after the Dilly Dilly has I don't understand why it's taken over so much, but it's been one of the most popular commercials the entire year. They're going to play just the original commercial at least once, right? And in that original commercial, the word Dilly is said 16 times. So I feel like we're looking at 18 Dillys minimum uh, here over the course of the broadcast. And that's without Al Michaels or Chris Collinsworth or somebody doing something jerky and saying some kind of dilly. That's wild, man. 
Yeah, so I'm wild take the, times we're living in. I'm going to take the over 12.5 at minus 130. Byron, any final I mean, thoughts? Those commercials are pretty good. I usually think that. I mean, I think most of the commercials have gone the way of the dodo bird these days. I mean, but those Bud Light commercials are pretty damn good, man. Yeah, they're good. Well, hey, they've they've done their job. Here we are talking about it. On the rosterwatch.com podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com. That's going to get us out of here. Uh, hope you guys enjoy your football this weekend. Please, if you enjoy the podcast, um, give us a five star rating and review on iTunes. Go to rosterwatch.com, get a pro membership. We will be back next week to begin you or to begin bringing you uh, all of our kind of preparations for the NFL Combine as we are going to be headed to Indy uh, here at the beginning of March, end of February. Also be talking about the new tools with the MFL 10 and uh, Best Ball Cheat Sheets for Draft that we are continuing to work on maniacally for our pro members. So excited for all of that. Excited for some great football this weekend. Hope you enjoy it with your friends and family. So uh, until next time, for Byron Lambert, for the Trash Man, uh, for the Robot Genius, and all of Roster Watch Nation, my name is Alex Dunlap. This has been the Roster Watch Podcast brought to you by RosterWatch.com. We will see you next time. Next time.